Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today is episode 54. And super excited to have return guest, Patrick Frakes from Rare Cannabis. Patrick, thanks for being on the show again today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So great to be here. Um, really excited to have Patrick on. We got a big announcement to make here in a second. But first, my two co-hosts and uh, Redemption Partners is, well, I won't get into that for a second. Uh, first, Tom Beller. <laughs> Hey, what's happening? What's going on, everyone? Excited to hear what's new at Rare. And uh, also a fellow uh, salmon shirt wearer, Patrick. <laughs> uh, Kevin, down here in Lansing with me. I know uh, we're all excited to get up to the MICIA event. Uh, what's going on and when are you getting up there? Oh, not much. I'm actually in Howell right now. Um, I raced home. I got golf league tonight. So, uh doing the podcast from the house since we're not doing it on Wednesday because we are heading up north. I'll be heading up uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, plan to be up there uh, early enough. I got all the golf prizes. So I want to get that up there, get that set up so people could take a look at them when they're uh, going around for the cocktail hour tomorrow. And uh, yeah, super excited, man. How many golfers are there in it this year? I think there's 30 teams, if I'm not mistaken. So right. that would be, 100, that'd be 120 golfers. So wow. uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a good event. Looking forward to it. We're supposed to have, I think, a little bit of rain in the morning, but then it's supposed to be uh, sunny and, and somewhat mild temperature in the afternoon. So uh, I think we'll have a good day for golf. So that's a whole lot of putts. <laughs> yeah, lots of putting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've had Patrick uh, on the show before and got into a little bit of the history. I met Patrick back, uh, it was uh, early, right when we formed the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association. And it was in early 2019. And uh, my dad is the uh, inspector down in Leone Township. And he's uh, saying, hey, these guys, uh, this looks like a solid company's going in. And uh, uh, did a little research and called on you. And we went down there, Robin and, uh, and myself. And uh, it was a great meeting you and learning about your background a bit, Patrick, and then all the women leadership and the people you had working with you and your philosophy. And you seem like a genuine guy. And over the years, uh, through the events and, uh, you know, grabbing some pizza together and a beer or two, uh, uh, definitely know you're a genuine guy. And watching what Rare's done is is cool. You're one of the the, the you know the vertically integrated operators that doesn't act like uh, you know some of the other ones. You act like uh, you know kind of kind of the rest of us in my opinion. That's why you're you're being so, uh, you're welcome. You know so with that uh, super excited and also announced that uh, you know we, we put out a press release today and uh, Rare and Redemption are partnering to bring two new strains uh, orange daiquiri and mimosa to the Redemption line and we'll have pre rolls and prepackaged dates and um, you know that those hit the shelves in a, in a couple of weeks so super excited about that tom and and kevin have been doing that with me for over a year now and uh it's cool to to bring more on and uh 
you know, the redemption brand isn't about um, this is redemption flower. The redemption brand is this is about, uh, you know, redemption doing good criminal justice work and showcasing the flower, real leaf and true cannabis and rare. So super thankful, Patrick. Uh, really excited about it. Um, ready to smoke some of that here. Hopefully tomorrow uh, you bring it up. So with that, uh, you know, why don't you uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself again, uh, just so if anyone missed the first episode and talk about the uh, the partnership a little bit. Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, um, as a cannabis user for most of my adult life and a few too many of my teenage years, uh, it was always just super important for me, one, to get into this space because it had been such a huge influence on my life. But also, you know, because you guys all know and we've all been a part of it, you know, the cannabis plant brings people together. You know, it's the most uniting thing out there. And, and that is something that has always been very clear to me and getting into the industry, you know, it's not about just making money. It's about doing the right thing and making sure, trying to help the world understand what this plant can do for them. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to get super stoned and have all the psychoactive effects and, you know, just getting that information out there and getting more people to understand. And then to meet guys like you all um, has been uh, incredibly rewarding. And, you know, to have a team like Ashley, Molly and Marley, my three women that are running the, all of our divisions, you know, they've been really the brainchild of Rare and uh, they, their intelligence and their passion and dedication. And, and I really do think, you know, there is there is a correlation to a woman's perspective in cannabis that is really valuable. And uh, as a guy who was raised by a single mom who busted her butt, um, you know, it was something that was really appealing. You know, we didn't set outside to have Set, set a goal to have women running all of our divisions. But um, as, as I met Ashley and brought her on board um, and, and then was meeting with Molly and Marley at the same time, I was realizing, wow, you know, this is kind of unique, rare, you know? And so I was super stoked about that. And they've been nothing short of amazing partners for us. And, uh, you know, again, what we've seen in Michigan that's gone on through the first time we met Ryan, through the MCAA, MCMA, pulling their, you know, silly moves and realizing what the MICIA is all about and what you guys are all about. It was clear where we belonged, you know, and we wanted to be a part of the Redemption brand from the get-go. And I couldn't be more proud of what you've accomplished with Redemption. And, you know, as a person who has been arrested way too many times, um, you know, I understand how the way they targeted us uh, with prohibition over the last way too many years, you know, really 50 years and longer it's been going on. Um, it had to stop. Being a part of the end is, is super exciting and transitioning into this legal marketplace has been incredibly rewarding and super important for me. Yeah, congratulations, Patrick, on, uh, on joining the family. Um, we're super uh, gracious to have you uh, coming on board. Um, when you were talking, Ryan mentioned the orange daiquiri and the mimosa strain. Both of those are uh, sativa-leaning, and we don't really have a lot of sativa-leaning stuff in our, our portfolio. So I think that's going to be uh, super awesome to, to, to include. Uh, is that something by design? Is that something you guys uh, uh, concentrate on? I know a lot of people don't grow sativas because of the longness of the flowering, and they could just pump out indicas and in, in a shorter period of time. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it wasn't something completely by design. I would say trying to have a good mix of different terpene profiles and what the dominant terpene profiles was something we kind of focused on 
I can say that orange daiquiri specifically, you know, is one of the sativa leaning hybrids that I've seen. You get really mature trichomes at eight weeks. And so we've seen that it, it does not mind that eight week cycle, uh, like some sativa strains do, you know, they really want that longer run. Um, but we, we've been amazed at how mature these buds get in an eight week flowering cycle. And so that's one of the reasons why we've expanded its uh, footprint, for lack of a better term, in our production facility. And then uh, obviously when we made it exclusive to Redemption, you know, it was because it's a beautiful flower. Uh, I think Ryan at one of the events, I brought him some samples of it. And, you know, yep. it has an amazing terpene profile of gas and fruit, which I geek out on a lot. Um, so it stands as a very unique kind of, uh, of, of cultivar. And so wanting to um, have something that is, you know, going to make a good first impression, uh, obviously was a big factor on it. The mimosa uh, as well, uh, you know, is more of a closer to a 50-50 hybrid, I guess. I'm not probably the most knowledgeable person in the room on that, but um, it too is really doing great with the maturity of the, the bud development and, and its growing cycle. And obviously both are very frosty. Um, you know, we've got some pictures out in the press release and the Mimosa has been a newer addition to the rare genetics line. Um, and we did a pheno hunt with about five different phenotypes of Mimosa and then found this one was really just head and shoulders above the rest and was really producing great quality and uh, super excited to get them into the uh, redemption portfolio. Yeah, definitely. Don't forget to find me when you uh, go to smoke that with Ryan later on this weekend, because I'd love to try it. Sounds awesome. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's got an incredible nose on it. And I'm uh, I'm real thankful because uh, it was back in like 2011. I, uh, I I had 100 seeds of plush berry. We were we were selling uh, TJ Subcool at my dispensary in Lansing. And and, uh, you know, and I and I got a great pheno of the purple, the pink and the green one. And I felt like I was ahead of the game in genetics and, you know, and or at least doing well and figuring it out. But then they all got, you know, taken away and I got so far behind so far far behind and uh you know it's it's been cool to be able to work with uh with all of you guys and uh you know you guys uh, almost jump in line and just based on our relationship so it's really cool to get back on um, the, the genetics that rare is bringing and some of the other uh, other people as well so i'm very thankful i just thought that was uh just kind of had a took take me back moment there um but uh <laughs> i got a question uh patrick because this is uh you know a lot of industry people listen to this and you your business model is is pretty fascinating to me and you guys have uh, not everyone's able to pull it off but you know you're vertically integrated you're, you're pretty much selling just your own products in your store and then you're wholesaling your 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 flower as well so and tell me how all that's going how the market's going and what are some of the ups and downs with uh, operating that way well uh, most people when i told them that we were only going to be carrying our own products in our stores they said we were nuts first of all as a startup and we may have been nuts I, it's definitely was an amazing challenge um you know and I, I go back to the talent you know it's it's you can buy all the wonderful equipment and spend all the money you want but if you don't have the knowledge and the talent uh the people operating these divisions you're you're going to be screwed from the get-go and um you know i did not always anticipate we would be making uh, as many concentrates as we have. Um, and I've been amazed at 
that way Marley's team and the processing has been able to create some solventless options and you know with different sugars and batters and the live rosin and the live resin um, they have just been really well received everybody says they think our quality is through the roof and most of the time we say it's some of the they say it's some of the smoothest stuff they've ever tasted um, you know with our flour we, we knew we were gonna always be primarily carrying our own flower and actually redemption. We're gonna get a couple of strains, maybe from Real Leaf and from True Cannabis. Uh, you know, obviously now that we're partnering with Redemption, we don't wanna put Redemption Orange Daiquiri and Mimosa in our stores, because we already have it. But we've already decided that Redemption flower from you guys uh, will be the first ones we put that was not produced by us. And the reason why we can stand by it is because of the quality that you guys are committed to and the quality that Ryan's committed to with the Redemption brand. So we know that, that we can still relay that message to our customers and patients that we know the quality is there. These are our partners. These are our friends that we can count on. And we're going to expand into probably a little bit more of that through edible lines because, you know, we can't make every kind of edible that's coming out there. And as you know, edible is expanding. Edible category is expanding like crazy. So. Edibles, concentrates, uh, we'll probably take on some strategic partners as we get farther down the road. Um, primarily, the most of the flour uh, will be coming from us, though, going forward with all of our stores. But it's you going really well. To answer the second part of your question, Ryan, um, right now we're out of, of wholesale flour. Um, I know that the market is hot right now, but everybody's been very thrilled with their experience with us and, and a lot of them um, you know are coming back to us uh, I'm not even having to reach out to them they call me saying I want more I want more and um, you know it's it's a new frustration that we have that we want to increase our production so we can not run out again um, but it, it's great that people are really getting used to rare flower and understanding you know Ashley she's got her master's in plant population genetics she ran a commercial grow in Colorado She's really passionate about getting into the, the real science behind this. And um, I think it goes a long way towards advancing the terpene profiles, advancing the flavor, and advancing the quality of the flower. So we're very lucky to have them. Isn't Ashley, uh, she hold a patent or didn't she save an endangered species or something? She did. So when she was getting her <laughs> master's, there was a, a thesis they were writing. They were trying to save a, a, a strain of cactus from going extinct. And um, through the, I guess it was probably like 2013, I'm guessing here, that she was writing this thesis and with her team. And then it was just in 2020 that they removed it from the endangered species list. And so then this thesis got published and she got a lot of publicity on that, you know, post with all the work that they had done. But yeah, she was really geeked out about it too. Um, and certainly a cool story. That's incredible, man. Uh, yeah. I had a question last time we spoke, um, we, we spoke a little bit to how rare is uh, cultivated using aeroponic uh, techniques only. Uh, with your processing, what type of techniques are you using there uh, that might be possibly different from other companies? Are you guys using solventless extracts or uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we are definitely different, um, you know, and it was one of those things I was involved with them in the process, but you know, Marley 
had come to me and said early on that she felt like, you know, the edibles category was going to be expanding greatly. And she said that in 2017, clearly she was right. And with distillate um, being such a, a, you know, a discreet way to consume cannabis, she thought that um, doing cryogenic ethanol for our primary extraction method was the right way to go. And knowing, you know, some of this is just about bottom line with dollars, but you know, with the cryogenic ethanol, you don't have to have a C1D1 lab. Um, so it was a little more cost efficient um, than if we were doing butane or hydrocarbons or, you know, CO2, which I think CO2 was always kind of, you know, not gonna be an option for us. Um, but in Marley's dream world, she'd like to see us expanding into a new lab that we're already exploring that option with getting a, a butane lab, a C1D1 lab. Um, but she has been doing solvent lists more on a boutique basis. So, you know, we do have the rosin press. We have been doing fresh frozen. Um, she's been doing a lot of experimenting. And again, Marley, she's, you know, she's a chemical engineer. She's got an extensive background on, on the scientific part of it. And I thought that was a really smart play for us to have somebody with that educational background. And it's kind of come to fruition to see because I didn't know if she was gonna be able to create real quality on the concentrate side without having a butane, uh, a lab, you know? And so um, because of solventless becoming more prominent, um, we can't be a high throughput producer of quality concentrates, but boutique wise for our stores, we've been able to really come up with some great options. And you know, the dabbers in Michigan, they're a pretty opinionated group <laughs> and they have been really complimentary of us. And, and, you know, I'm a, I would say a very part-time dabber, but you know, when I used to smoke shatter, you know, it just would make me cough like crazy and almost give me a headache as much as it did get me high. And now when you talk about a live rosin hit, I mean, it's just so smooth. feels like you could smoke it forever and not cough. And uh, that's been a lot more enjoyable experience for me. And uh, I'm a big believer in solventless and where it's going. Yeah, that's um, at me as well, uh, Patrick. There's going to be some great brands hitting, and uh, I think Michigan's definitely going to be a top three solventless market uh, in the country uh, if it isn't already. Um, but uh, I always like to ask this question and get your opinion. It's coming up. Uh, we're nearing the end of the summer, and we're going to once again fall into Croptober. And uh, last year, uh, there was other, you know, there was multiple first-time factors, like on October 1st, where there was no more caregivers to the processors, and stores bought a ton of stuff. And then there was first-time MRA audits. Um, you know, along with the fact that so many people grew for the first time with Prop 1 outdoor and so many people had about a month, month and a half, they didn't buy as much from the store. So it was it was a huge drop off. What do you uh, what do you foresee this time on on on, on uh, you know, this after this Croptober? Is, uh, what's what's your prediction on how it's going to go? And uh, just love to love to hear it. And uh, are you planning for it? <laughs> Well, we're definitely planning for it. And that's one of the reasons why we're happy to be partners with the Redemption brand. Because <laughs> you got street cred, it helps you get through those lean months. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it was probably a double whammy last year with the caregivers end date of October 1st. You know, obviously, we all know a lot of caregivers and there's some great growers out there. So who have been doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. My opinion was they should be allowed in this commercial marketplace. And, um, you know, that day that happened for them, 
you know, there were so many times that judges kept pushing the date back, so they kept growing as they should. And then all of a sudden it gets cut off and uh, there was a lot of product in the, in the streets at that point. But at the same time, I definitely think COVID was a, a, a contributor as well. Uh, we all know what Proptober is and how it plays in the, in the marketplace and how uh, in-store sales will go down in November and December for sure. Um, but, you know, I think with, with the COVID thing and people being a little hesitant to go into stores and everybody doing curbside um, and a lot of people not being comfortable with that kind of buying format, um, you know, all these things were kind of, a, um, you know, a perfect storm to see some really light in-store sales through the last quarter last year. I think it'll happen again. I just don't think it'll be as dramatic. Yeah, Patrick, I agree with you on the on the caregiver thing. I think that they have a, a part in this. Um, you know, I was a caregiver. Uh, Tom was a caregiver. We all we came from that that area, um, and I definitely think that they have uh, some ownership in where we've gotten. So I think that they need to be respected and treated fairly. Um, and uh, I don't think these big monopolistic companies coming in and throwing their weight around should be the way that we handle the caregiver situation. I think there needs to be some discussions on how uh, to implement change and, and what makes the most sense. And I don't think uh, an impulsive decision made, uh, like I said, by big swinging guys, uh, you know, should be the way it goes. Um, but that being said, um, Patrick, talk to us about your your, your footprint right now uh, as we stand. Uh, you know, what are you guys doing? Is you, you're cultivating your, your, your processing. You've got retail. Um, do you have multiples of those? Uh, and, and what does the future look like for Rare? Um, you had mentioned a little bit about potentially expanding into uh, a C1D1 booth for your processor and, and whatnot. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we're we're um, right now we have about um, we're growing probably about 600 pounds a month. Um, we have three store locations open in Bay City, Muskegon and Big Rapids. Lowell, Michigan is coming online uh, in September. Uh, probably won't have our grand opening until right around October 1st. Um, but uh, and then Kalamazoo at the end of the year uh, will be our fifth location. So at that point, five stores four of them on the west side of the state. Um, and, you know, with our, our wholesale um, success, you know, we definitely are, like I said, we're, we're running out, we're, we're on a limited basis now, and there's people that want to, um, you know, buy from us on a more of a supply chain style type relationship. And we've been very careful about who we would enter into those relationships with, but, you know, there's some good, operations obviously gauge is one of the big ones that we know that supports uh our our thoughts and supports ryan and uh we um we have a good working relationship with them and they're basically you know they're saying they'd love to buy more from us on a monthly basis so want to try and um, expand our cultivation footprint um obviously expanding our production and, and processing as well would make us more of a, a wholesale producer on the processing side we don't sell wholesale a lot with our processed items, um, but certainly want to. Um, and really looking forward to uh, also finding a store in the Southeastern market with Detroit. You know, this is very much where else we were very different from the other verticals that we're referring to. You know, we were never gonna pay multi-million dollars to get an early license in Ann Arbor, Detroit. As much as we wanna be in those locations, we felt it was just a better use of our money to um, focus on markets where there was an easier access um, and focus on quality 
and get our brand out there, get people to understand what we're all about, and then kind of let the chips fall where they may, knowing that there's going to be a lot of movement in Ann Arbor and Detroit over the next five years. Um, so we're hoping to get our opportunity to get there one way or the other. That's amazing. You guys are really, really getting after it. Uh, that's really cool. Um, you had mentioned um, quality and and I heard you mention Marley a few times and and whatnot. As you expand, um, how do you how do you anticipate keeping a handle on all of that and making sure that uh, the rare bud is what people are used to as, as you guys expand and, and roll things out here? Yeah, well, that's a great question for sure, um, because we've already as we've been growing, we've seen it's harder to, um, you know, find a, a lot of talent. There's a lot of growers out there, but as you know, not all of them like to work on a consistent basis <laughs> and show up to work at 8 a.m. and work on weekends. So um, we have about 50 employees at our cultivation facility now. And as we've gotten bigger, um, that has become more of a challenge. However, I'm really proud of our leadership team that's working underneath of Ashley and Marley, um, that we have some great managers that are really um, focusing on how to maintain that quality as we expand our footprint and and you know we've talked about it with our expansion facility uh, for cultivation we're certainly not going to do anything more than bring in a couple of rooms online at a time to make sure that we're being very proportionate because quality is everything and Ashley you know again I think one of the best things we did was getting a, a head grower that came from the commercial market already you know an adult use market like Colorado because that's what there's so many talented growers in this world, but as you guys know, correlating that to commercial scale is is completely different language. Um, running scheduling, uh, making sure you have adequate uh, time and room for drying and curing, trimming and packaging, and you know, so all of these rooms take up space. And as you know, usually the guys with the money, all they want to do is put everything with under canopy and say, you can dry it all in this 10 by 10 closet. you know. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. So, no, we're going to be very proportionate and very careful as we expand. Um, and, and we understand fully. And that's, you know, Ashley and Marley scream at us, you know, that, you know, you can't do it too fast. You can't try and reinvent the wheel. You got to be careful and have your RO, your, your uh, SOPs in place so you uh, can make sure you're not losing that quality throughout because it's, it's, it's easy to have happen. Yeah, the larger the front office, usually the worse the weed, you know, with these companies. For sure. I think, um, I think that's one of the things that I, I like to brag about us the most. You know, the, the where we've spent our least amount of money is on executives. Uh, we still have less than 10 executives. We have eight executives and we have 100 employees. So with all of our retail and processing and cultivation, we are at 100 people. Um, but only eight of us are fat cats that are not productive. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, I want to give a, ask you a question, uh, to get a shout out to the Michigan, uh, can of contractors. Uh, Jake, uh, Jake's been down there, uh, uh, working for you. Tell us how that's been going and, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, the reception they've got. Yeah. Jake and his crew could not be any better. Um, we've been thrilled with the relationship and their, their work ethic, their dependability, uh, we just didn't want Michigan State to let all the kids go home for the summer because <laughs> they were they were doing a great job. And of course, college kids, as you know, have a, a, a great need to go have fun once June rolls around. So, um, you know, the, other than 
Um, wishing we had more of them coming. Um, we've had no complaints at all. And, and Jake is a great guy, a uh, great partner for you, obviously, and certainly um, great partner for us. We're, we're thrilled with Michigan can of contractors. That's cool. I saw that uh, that video he sent over to me. I don't know if you've seen it yet that he made. It was it was pretty neat. Uh, it was well done. What uh, what's next uh, besides Michigan? I know uh, the, our attitude on this show is if you can you can make it in Michigan, you can make it in any state, uh, any market uh, with the skill set. So um, you know you guys are you're giving it a go in Michigan first, getting you know sharpening your your teeth and um i know you're from virginia and they're going but uh do you guys have any future plans to be outside of michigan well i would say we do but you know we are trying to stay focused completely on this michigan project um you know i have an ability to keep kind of my ears to the ground to, to the ground in, in virginia uh through my relationships that i have in that state and I, I do expect we'll apply in Virginia. Um, they're really kind of going all over the place with how they're going to design their regulatory program right now. And I'm seeing quite a few things that I think would be a mistake. Um, hopefully they'll wisen up before they get the final rules all set and start taking applications. Um, and then the only other state I would say we're really looking at, uh, which has been a disaster area, is Florida. You know, I think everybody is aware of what a great market it is for consumers and patients. Um, and how many smokers there are down there. Um, but right now they've got basically a monopoly, oligarchy style licensing with about five of the 22 licenses that are down there right now are, are basically providing almost all of the market share um, with truly taking on, I think over 50% just themselves alone. Um, so, you know, now it, they've gone through a lot of Supreme Court challenges in Florida, uh, been through a lot of back and forth with their application and licensing. And there is some um, talk now that they're going to start taking applications next year. Um, first one's going to be going for the um, the Black Farmers uh, license that was a part of their settlement under this new constitutional amendment um, that was put out in 2016. So that's how far, how long it's been going on, five years without them accepting an application when it's in that constitutional amendment that they're supposed to have more applications and licensees so we're gonna we're gonna probably apply there as well one of the reasons why we wanted to be a vertical was so we could be ready for florida which is at that point was forced vertical and i think they're going to stay that way um which is kind of ironic because i think virginia is talking about making verticals illegal um and obviously each state has their own opinion about that and you know i i go back and forth with it you know i I certainly support more players in the industry. Same thing what we're talking about up here with Michigan um, but uh, and the caregivers. But um, I think that, um, you know, vertical integration is certainly something that is real. And as a business operator, I certainly understand and, and I'm a businessman and, and controlling that seed to sale model and, and, you know, controlling that profit point. I think it's, it's hugely important if you want to have success in your, in your brand. No, I totally agree. Uh, 
I t- totally agree, Patrick. Uh, I, why not let uh, then? That's why Michigan's uh, so great because you can be a vertical, you cannot be a vertical. You can train uh, and learn it, and then I know some some retailers now that you know um, that are just going to stay retailers. They got really good at it, as you know. Retail is not easy, uh, and that's something uh, I I definitely don't want to uh, uh, ever have to do myself again. So uh, you know, I, I love what I'm doing. So. Oh uh, yeah, that's why I let, let everybody do it. <laughs> it seems like Florida, you know, it's kind of rolled over and took it. You know, the nepotism and the crony capitalism crap that they're trying to pull everywhere. I mean, that just happens, right? Uh, you know, Michigan's full of fighters, and you know, thank thank God for all of the fighters we have here and the MICIA, you know, fighting for us to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't fly here. We won't have that, you know, and it's unfortunate to see it play out in other states, but that's just what happens when you don't have representation. They'll just walk all over you. Yeah, absolutely. In Florida, I mean, I could take up the whole hour here if we were to talk about Florida politics because it's disgusting, but um, they have been... You know, really just, you know, again, violating a constitutional amendment. That's not usually what your state legislatures are doing, but that's what they're doing in Florida and getting away with it. Yeah, it smells a little bit like Bill Shooty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a well, left field, a left field topic, really quick though. Um, nobody's yeah, really it, talked Tom. about the uh, the the bill that Schumer and the Democrats introduced, you know, for uh, legalization. Um, just I want everyone's opinion on it. If anyone's been following what's happening, so I'll you mean just toss le- it out there. You mean legal extortion? <laughs> right. Oh, they're going to tax it because it's not already no. being taxed. 280E, anyone? Uh, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty ballsy to say that we're now going to tax it, not knowing yeah. that legal operators in the space are t- taxed at ridiculous rates. Um, but anyway, I digress. But the meat and potatoes of the thing, What other than the extortion part, other opinions? I, I did like the part about where the states have the right to decide their framework, um, you know, like and, and let that part of it grow. That should be that's, a no-brainer. Uh, and, and that's cool. Let, let the industry still grow. Let Michigan keep getting better and better while other places, you know, just kind of lag behind. That's fine with me for a while. But uh, obviously getting everyone out of jail, getting myself uh, pardoned, uh, expunged, you know, of course I'm, I'm all about that. And, um, you know, but like this whole idea with, with the taxing, obviously that was, that was way too much. And, you know, the one thing, um, I'm a pretty bipartisan guy and I'm just pro cannabis and, uh, I'm pro people not going to jail. So, um, I like it on this side, but I also like the fact that, uh, the Koch brothers are pushing really hard in the Senate to get the, their Republicans on board and they will not allow a 25% tax. So like, Maybe maybe we can come up with a good solution there with with that. So I'm not. I don't think it's going anywhere. No. Well, the the tax, yeah. the tax portion it's it's kind of twisted. So it's you know it's up to 25 percent in the fifth year, um, and that's over I think 20 or 30 million dollars in revenue. So it there is there is some caveats to that, and it does give a reduction uh, of 50 percent if you're under I don't know two or three million dollars in revenue, something along those lines. But 
Um, you know, for me, I guess I agree with you, Ryan. I love the the all the caveats that come along with it, the ex, the expungement and and all that stuff. Um, so we are making progress. Uh, but if we're going to sit here and try to compete with the black market, we struggled to do that a little bit here in Michigan with all the red tape. Um, I think that adding more to it isn't the answer. Um, so you know, maybe maybe just you know make it legal and, and and learn some stuff and then and then go from there. You know. I just love to hear the outdated responses in opposition to it that are just so redundant now, you know, drugged driving, you know, that's one of the big ones, you know, we're always worried about kids. children's access. Yep. Roll out right. the kids now. That's the next argument. And, uh, you know, it just gets tiring. You just need to do it. Take care of it. You know, I took some NyQuil the other night uh, and uh, man, I stayed up for about four hours after taking that NyQuil and I couldn't have been more screwed up in my, I was, I was fucked up, excuse my language, but I was, I was messed up off some over-the-counter NyQuil. And they want to sit here and talk all this shit about the things that we do and all that hypocritical stuff. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Absolutely. NyQuil will mess you up for sure. <laughs> I was I was in uh, the federal prison uh, drug rehab program, and one of the one of my bunkies was in there for a NyQuil addiction. So it can. <laughs> well, I, I had heard people say that Schumer was uh, adamant about trying to get something submitted, even though he knew it wasn't going to be close to the final version, which I think is also wasting taxpayers' time and stuff. But. Um, I've heard that he knew that this was not going to be anything close to the final version, but he was adamant before they went to break that they, he wanted to get something submitted. That's, well, one uh, side's well, got to champion it. Somebody's got to, you know, champion that the whole thing. And it's a and it's a start. So yeah, it's a, it's it's glad that we're talking about this, and you know whether Biden would uh, veto something or not. Who knows? Uh, I I really hope not. But I I saw a story today where now uh, they're saying all the all the guys and girls that have been let out for uh, to, from federal prison due to COVID and are at home peaceful, not getting in trouble, they're they're making them go back into prison. So, like, come on, like, like promises uh, kept, promises broken, promises made, yeah. promises broken. Yeah, that's yeah. So it's it's disappointing. So we'll we'll see, but yeah. cannabis is going to keep chugging along. Hey, I wanted to uh, to wrap up, guys. Today, uh, I have a heart out, and I but I wanted to let everyone say goodbye. And and uh, tell me what they're looking forward to most up at the uh, the summer annual uh, t- tomorrow because it's it's my favorite event of the year. So uh, first off, Tom. Oh well, you know me, Ryan. I'm always looking forward to people's speeches before dinner. <sighs> Just kidding. Uh, the tea party is going to be fun. I always enjoy that. I don't golf. Um, hanging out on the sandbar with people, and you know, I love. I can't wait to try other people's products. That's really my favorite thing is to see what people have coming down the pipe, and you know, enjoying that and all the camaraderie and staying up late and you know, closing the place down. That's what we're all about. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure, uh, Kevin. Yeah, real quick, before I comment about that, I just want to again thank, uh, uh, congratulate you guys on uh, commencing this relationship and, and moving Redemption Brand forward. I think that's going to be an awesome thing for us all. Um, with that being said, my favorite part is the golf outing, for sure. Ryan knows that. Um, the dinner afterwards, the award ceremony, all that stuff is is just so cool. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite part. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you guys. Thanks. And, uh, and Patrick, uh, the MICIA event, and then also, uh, you know, thanks, of course, for, uh, on the uh, the partnership as well. 
Well, thank you, Ryan. Like I said, it's been fun being friends with you, and it's going to be even more fun being partners with you as well. And, uh, you know, the MICIA event I went to two years ago was an unbelievable networking opportunity. And, you know, I do a lot of these kind of um, podcasts and interviews, and, and really I, I, it bugs me in one sense because uh, I'm the least talented person on my team. And uh, I'm thankful that Ashley, Marley and Molly, our director of retail operations, along with Kevin, my business partner, our CEO and, and David Quinn, my CFO, will all be there. So everybody will get to meet the talent behind uh, behind me. So um, really, really looking forward to having that networking opportunity. And, and I love the networking. I love mixing it up with the people. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it and the just the way it, it's happened organically and how we were able to go last year. But I always say it's like you get 300 of decision makers uh, hanging out, having fun, happy to be around each other in a real relaxed setting. So I mean, who, who can who can beat that? So um, with that, I'm uh, I'm real thankful. Uh, you know, we we announced today that the partnership with Rare also announced today partnership with Luxury Loud out of Detroit. And we're bringing uh, Gersher's Mochi and um, uh, Runtz uh, with with Luxury Loud, which is exciting. So two great more companies, and uh, I couldn't be happier and prouder, and just enjoying and really thankful uh, that uh, I get to work with all these great people. So with that, uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me. Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.